Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Outdoor Adventure Series, the podcast that celebrates individuals and families, businesses, and organizations that seek out and promote the exploration, stewardship, conservation, access, and enjoyment of the outdoors. Ernest Hemingway, also known as Papa, was a man of many things. He was an author, freethinker, adventurer, sportsman, and bon vivant. But one thing, he was not a spectator. He constantly traversed the globe from one port to another, collecting tales, each more epic than the last. Aptly named after Papa and the vessel of his endeavors, Papa's Pilar Rum was crafted to harness this mindset, an homage to Hemingway's adventure and an inspiration for yours. Papa's Pilar Rum sponsors today's episode, and we are excited to have their Chief Communities and Conservation Officer, Michael Myatt, join us on the Outdoor Adventure Series. Michael, good morning, and it is a pleasure to have you on the Outdoor Adventure Series. Welcome. Thank you very much, Howard. My pleasure indeed to be here. Fantastic. Now, I have to ask, where in this beautiful state of Florida are you located? I am located about 20 miles southwest of Jacksonville on the glorious St. John River. Live on Doctor's Inlet and uh, really pleased to my lifestyle about being on the water as much as I can. And uh, and we actually have seasons up here. It was 41 degrees this morning. And it'll be 70 degrees this afternoon. So you know, I've been looking for my next place to live. I, I'm in Las Vegas now. We had brutally cold weather recently, but. Somewhere nice where you have those four seasons, but not the extremes of the, you know, the minus 20 belows and the uh, 133 degrees Fahrenheit. So I may have to look at that area. Yeah, I, I grew up in uh, in the beautiful state of Maine. I was one of God's frozen people. So I migrated south uh, almost as soon as I could. I, I cannot blame you there. So before we get into your work uh, as the uh, Chief Communities and Conservation Officer, I would love if you could share with our listeners a little bit about your background, because of what I know of it, it, it it's not been, you've been with Papa's forever. You've got a quite a significant uh, history of quite a few rodeos you've been in, and love if you could share a little bit at a high level for our listeners. Sure. I, uh, I started my professional career in the publishing industry uh, on the sales side and the marketing side and enjoyed a great career. One point, uh, thought I was going to retire and driving my wife crazy. I didn't have enough friends to play golf or go fishing as much as I wanted. So I, I took a job with the International Game Fis Association for two years. I had a two-year deal and um, that turned into a 19-year career. Wow. I became, I became addicted to um, everything that the IGFA stood for. They have a, a museum and a library, a repository, if you will, most comprehensive fishing library in the world, 30,000 plus books. Got to have 70,000 magazines cataloged. They have archives of pictures from expeditions from all over the world. And they also celebrate angling achievements um, with some of the luminaries that have ever, ever picked up a fishing rod, whether they be an angler or a captain. And also during my time there, it was the advent where they started to really get into the education and the conservation aspects of 
recreational fishing, which is my passion. And how did you, well, I, I was going to ask you, how did you develop this love of the outdoors? But I'm actually, this, you said something a, a minute ago, you had retired from the publishing industry and then you spent another 19 years for the International Game Fish Association. Okay. Well, you're, you, you're a young looking guy there. I'm thinking maybe forties, 45 ish. Uh, uh, uh. Yeah. No, what? I owe you a steak. I'm actually, uh, I'm actually 64, but oh, wow. I'm, also, I'm also a believer in, uh, act young, be young. So okay. yeah, it's try to try to maintain an active lifestyle and really embody the whole never a spectator. I mean, if there's an opportunity for me to be outside when I was a kid growing up in Maine, I mean, it was trapping season. We used to trap muskrats. Um, there's hunting season, there's fishing all year long. And, uh, there was no cell phones and there was, yeah, there was a party line telephone. We didn't even have ABC television until I would think I was like 17 years old. Oh, wow. If. If you had um, any moment to do anything, get outside, go canoeing, go fishing, go hunting, spending time with friends. We had a big backyard, put it that way. Okay. So a common theme when I'm interviewing guests about their passion for the outdoors, and it could be fishing, angling, hunting, hiking, biking, et cetera, the whole, runs the whole gamut of the outdoor adventure space. I'm always amazed by the influence that Mike, that have, who have, the folks who have been an influence on my guests as they grew up. And so I'm curious, who influenced you or who were the influencers in your life as you were growing up and developing this love of the outdoors? I would have to say the first major influence in my life was, uh, he was an outdoor writer. His name was Bud Levitt. He was a uh, Bangor Daily News. He was a celebrated sort of celebrity back then, as much as you could be because of no internet and social media and stuff. He was on my paper route. He used to talk to me all the time about fishing and in hunting. He was a big Atlantic salmon fisherman. And I got to go over to the salmon pool where I did a variety of jobs, shine some shoes, stood in rotation for anglers, swept up at the end of the day and Ted Williams was a frequent visitor up there. Kurt Gowdy was a frequent visitor. Oh, wow. So we had some luminaries and which was kind of cool because later in my life, working at the IGFA, I was actually exposed to those people as an adult. Yeah, I, Kurt Gowdy was always a mentor to me. I actually have a fly box on top of my desk of supplies that he used to use out in Wyoming. But during my time at IGFA, certainly the president, Mike Leach, was an influence on me. And also Mark Sosen. Mark Sosen was uh, an incredibly generous man with his time. And he, uh, he was just one of those guys that you wanted to spend time around. Mark, Mark never made any apologies for any of his philosophies or his straightforwardness. But um, him and my dad became really good friends. My dad was obviously mentor number one for me. And, um, but. But Mark, uh, Mark was always there for me and made it really easy for an outsider to come into the fishing industry and cut down a lot of the, uh, a lot of the, the woods that were in my way to make a successful career out of it. 
I love that. And for our listeners, uh, Michael shared with us that uh, Mark Sosa was also a member of the Outdoor Writers Association of America, an organization that I am affiliated with. And I have to say, Michael, that statement you just mentioned that Mark was instrumental of in uh, kind of clearing away the trees so that you can get involved in the industry within the, the, the game fishing industry uh, and in your, your love of just the outdoors and the writing that goes with it, because that is a trait that I have found is because I'm a relatively new member of the OWAA and every one of them, whether it's the, the new folks, the folks that have been around maybe five, 10 years, and then the folks that have been there, we're talking 20, 30, sometimes 40 years, they are always willing to, to lend a hand and, and a piece of advice. And you never know what it's going to be, but, you know, just being able to, to, uh, list to take it and, uh, and current get some insight from it. So I, I love how you've just shared that. Now I am curious now. So you've, you've had two careers, all of, tell us how you got involved with the, uh, Papa's Pilar organization, because I understand that's uh, not your typical, uh, oh, there's a job posting in the, uh, in the local <laughs> newspaper. Now, you know what, when, uh, when Papa's Pilar was launching the affiliation with the Hemingway family, who their philanthropic ways are just legendary. My associate Denise said, Mike, I have a, uh, I have an appointment set up for you with a rum company. And my first thought was plaid sport coat, a uh, bottle of spiced rum, going to change your life. And now I happen to have two tickets to the Marlins game. It was anything but that. It was the most complete presentation that I'd ever seen, starting with the history of the company and what their what their future goals were, led by Steve Groth and his son, Kyle, and uh, Lindsey Copps, who's brilliant, who still works for us to this day. And they're about halfway through the presentation. It was a foregone conclusion they were going to become financial supporters of the IGFA. And I just said, that you know what, this completely blew me away. I've not got a presentation since I've been here in the, in the past nine years that comes close to this. And, uh, I said, let's try the rum. It was about three o'clock on a Friday <laughs> and, uh, they didn't have the rum yet. It wasn't, uh, Ron call. Who's our master still, it wasn't ready to release the rum yet because it wasn't perfect. And, um, having, having an ultra premium rum, um, come aboard with us, it certainly, uh, it certainly helped the IGFA on a number of levels, Stephen and I became very good friends. And, uh, when I retired from the IGFA, um, I got bored quickly and was actually looking to do some consulting for a recreational fishing group. And I went to the industry's largest, um, trade show, which is ICAST that's held in, uh, Orlando every year. And Stephen gave me a call and said, Hey, you got any interest in flying up to ICAST with me and walk around and see some old friends? And I said, I'm already here. And he said, what are you doing? I said, I'm actually looking for a client. And basically Stephen in Stephen's way, go find a bar, go sit down. I'll be there in three hours. Let's talk. And I love it. By the end of the night, I was a game, gamefully employed employee of, uh, Papa's Bar. I. And I have to imagine, I, I, and I'm sure you've had fun on your previous two careers, oh, but on a scale of one to 10, 
I would have to imagine what you're doing today and the impact that's keeping you busy and motivated, but also the impact of the Papa Papa Cares and the the stewardship conservation uh, volunteering that that is definitely has to be a ten right now for you. Oh, it is. It it, it is a ten, and like the 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 community. There's there's a bunch of different communities that we're involved with. I mean, we're involved with recreational fishing tournaments. All of them have a nonprofit arm to them. That's something that we always strive for. We want to be part of their community. We don't necessarily need them to be as big a part of our community, but we want to be invited into their community. We are very, very proud of the work we've done with iCare, which is an organization headquartered in Almorada, Florida, which replants the 103 miles of reef that uh, runs along the Florida coastline. It's something that I really think is attainable in our lifetime. It's basically the reefs of the lungs of the ocean. Very, very important that we take care of these reefs. And we're able to do that in a myriad of ways. We have a great relationship with the Guy Harvey Foundation. Dr. Guy Harvey and I have been friends. He was uh, on the board at IGFA. We've been friends for 25 years. Uh, His daughter has recently, Jessica, taken over the foundation. They also support the reef conservation efforts that we're doing through education, which is really, really important. You have this uh, opportunity to mentor uh, the stewards of tomorrow, kids that are in school. There's a bunch of different learning tools that we're able to use. And through their programs, it's really helped escalate and bring the spotlight to groups like I Care and the good deeds that they're doing. Um, it's it's Caps for Clean Water is another group down here in Florida. When two friends, two captains, literally boat captains, just wanted to get involved and were everyone's complaining about water quality. And the the Lake Okeechobee is full of fertilizers, phosphates, and the natural flow, which is to push the water south, has been redirected to the east and west coasts of Florida. Oh, yeah. And what's happening, it's, it's just, it's caused turmoil. It's a fish kill population. It's incredible. Without that freshwater flow going down through the river of grass, as it's known, um, with the natural flow is south. Florida Bay is a mess. The, yeah. the, the grass population down there has been wiped out. I was just down there two weeks ago. There's no, there's no grass down there anymore. And without grass, you don't get forage fish. You don't get shrimp. You don't get the birds. You don't get the natural ecosystem. And that all flows down to the reefs. So it's, it's basically, it's all connected. We work with the St. John Riverkeepers Association. We work with Tampa Bay Watch. So the, the state of Florida is on high alert right now that our economy down here being, you know, based on tourism depends on us doing this and, and we're making great strides and it's something that's achievable in our lifetime, which is something unique when you talk about conservation issues. So we're, um, we're real proud to be part of, of all that. And we, we always say that um, conservation is in our company DNA. And we really do put our money and our time and our efforts where our mouth is. So it's a great, great organization. 
I appreciate you, and, and I want to thank you for gifting us with that insights about the programs you're involved with. And there are two questions that come to mind. I'm going to ask what I think for me is is very important because you've just given hope to the you know you know to Mother Nature, to the to the wild, to the wildlife, to the waterways, the 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 wildlife through these programs. So what I'm hearing is you do have hope and the impact that these programs are having in Florida, along the river, Lake Okeechobee, down to the, down along to the, the, the wild, the truly wild areas down in South Florida. Yeah. I mean, and I think the word that you use right then, hope, I think without hope, uh, without hope you're lost, but you can build that momentum toward hope and people, people will get involved. People want to be involved with organizations that are successful. And our partnerships in the conservation area, CCA in California, CCA here in, in the Coastal Conservation Association in California, down here in Florida, we're doing some great stuff with Trout Unlimited in Michigan. So we're, our outreach is getting out there more and more. And once again, it's without hope um, and without those people that push you to hope, it's a long, hard road. And collectively, with all these groups, not being food guarders, sitting down and getting together and say, hey, listen, one plus one plus one can equal four. It doesn't have to equal three. It's new math. And that's what we're striving to do, which is striving to bring more people to the table through volunteerism. There's a lot of different ways that people can get involved. Um, get out there. Do something about it. Get your hands wet. Literally, go out and get your hands wet. And I love that. It's it's possible. It's possible, probable, and it's working. So that's um, that's the positive. That's the positive message that that we try to push out there. That it's working, and it's and it's everybody getting involved. It's not you that know, hard. A, a another theme that I that I hear across many states, regions of the, of the U S that have depended on industries that perhaps contributed to some of the issues that we have throughout this country. And I don't want to, I definitely don't want to get political because that's, that's not the intent of this podcast. What I do see though, and it's not lost on me is that tourism is perhaps what in sports tourism, whether it's uh, hiking, whether it's fishing, whether it's birding, are the real money makers throughout the U.S. It's getting people on outdoors, as you said, get out there, get wet, get active, and the impact on the tourist dollars and the ability to make some fundamental changes. It's there if we embrace it and do a better job of the conservation efforts, the stewardship of keeping the bad things out of our environment, whether it's in the air, on the land, or in the water. Well, I think that's a really good point. I mean, you take um, lawn care chemicals, for example. You take phosphites, fertilizers that 
big sugar companies use here in Central Florida. You take the the orange groves, the pesticides that round up and the rest of them that are all over the United States. You take uh, golf courses out in your direction that the, the water usage that they have is just absolutely astronomical. And that changes the entire environment out there. I mean, you have humidity out there. You never had humidity in the, uh, in the Southwest United States. I mean, oh, yeah. And it's very easy to identify. And what we've done, we've sort of built a community of like-minded individuals around us. We have people from television. We have people from podcasts. We have fishermen. We have conservationists. We have a, a through hiker, Carrie Tish, a good friend of mine that I grew up with in Maine, who's a member of the- I know Carrie, yeah. Okay. Carrie is, uh, Carrie and I grew up together. Oh, wow. The, the hiking, like you said, the birding, the surfing, all of these different communities, um, they have their link. Yeah. I mean, we depend on these, these natural, natural resources and without it, you take states like Maine, vacation land. Okay. It's a beautiful state to be in. One of the cleanest states I've, I've ever seen. And they're very, very conscious about conservation out there. Right. Because they had to be. The paper industry and the tanning industry, shoe industry, decimated some of our rivers with a, a just unthinkable pollution. Right. And that's just not one state. Every state has a, a rock to push up a hill. And uh, I think collectively, um, we're doing a better job. When I was a kid, it was nothing to watch cars throw bottles out windows. Yeah, And then all of a sudden we got the native American with the tear coming down his cheek right. and it, kids teaching their parents that littering wasn't okay. Right. And, and I think in this day and age, if you can become a steward of the environment and maybe a mentor to some younger people, it's really going to speak volumes to, to the path that we have to a, a better environment. And, and it's, you talk about getting outside, getting your hands wet. That's all fine and good. But those, a lot of those activities are very inexpensive for families, whether they're a traditional family, whether they're a single parent. There's programs out there to teach you how to fish. There's right. programs out there that will show you what trails you should take. There's programs out there that they'll get you to the water. They'll get you to the ocean. They'll get you to rivers. They'll get you outside. And... Put the phone down. <laughs> Just put down your cell phone and get out there and actually do it. I, I love that. They're, through the OWAA's part, uh, impact on me and what I have learned since I've been a part of it, like the Isaac Walton Foundation. It's yeah. all over the country. The Theodore Roosevelt Foundation. Another it's all over one. the country. There are lots of ways that individuals... Families, couples can get out there and make an impact. And as you said, put the phone down and just enjoy being out there in nature. I mean, it all it takes is 30 minutes. Go hike somewhere. Just turn off your phone and enjoy yourself. I love that. You had mentioned something earlier when we were talking a little bit about stewardship. You brought up education. And I would love if you could go a little deeper for us because Education about the why we should care about this is very important, not just go take a hike or go go out on the, on the river and 
come back when it's lunchtime. I don't fact, I don't even think we get to do that anymore. When you and I grew up, our parents kicked us out of the house and said, don't come back until dinner time. Yeah. Right. Don't do that anymore. But can you share a little bit more about the education initiatives that Papa Cares and, and your community is involved with and helping to kind of su- support yeah, one of the one of the major initiatives that uh, we're involved with with the Guy Harvey Foundation is that they're bringing um, they're bringing this curriculum into public schools and take a microcosm, take uh, Dade County, Florida. It's a major focus because they're stakeholders; they live there. Dade County is the Florida Keys. Miami South is Dade County. Mm-hmm. They've actually built into the Sunshine State standards. Uh, a curriculum that people can, sixth graders is, is like a really, really big target. That's when kids are sort of developing their own mm-hmm. can as far as wanting to go forward with stuff. And they've developed a program that is being used in Miami-Dade schools. Actually, they have a program that's being used all over the Sunshine State right now. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's something that we hope to replicate. The IGFA had a great program. We focused a lot of our time on Title I schools because there was granting opportunities. There was someone willing to to step up. We had a mobile touch tank that we'd bring to schools and kids would be able to interact with invertebrates from from the ocean. And it's surprising with a state this narrow that is surrounded by salt water, how many kids had never gone to the beach? Wow. How many kids had never really got out there and you look at their faces and they're, they're just soaking it up. Yeah. And so through these programs, we've been able to establish some uh, scholarships. There's other groups, the International Women's Fishing Association do the same thing where we reward kids for taking these steps. It's just not you show up, you get a fishing rod. It's like learn to tie knots learn to identify fish, uh, become a good steward of the environment. And there's a reward system at the end of it. So the reward system now is we're actually able to give granting opportunities and scholarship opportunities to aspiring uh, people that want to go into environmental sciences, people that want to go to Nova Southeastern uh, to become a marine biologist and with huge success rates. And they turn that over. That's something that just keeps going. It's exponential. It just doesn't happen once to say, thanks, I got a degree. I mean, they, they go out and they make a difference. And that's, that's one of those times when you have a good day. When you make a difference like that in people's lives, that's a really, really good day. How do you vet organizations that come to you and say, you know, We'd lo- we'd love for you to support our charity, our nonprofit, our initiative. How do you vet that it it it, it aligns with the 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 Papa's brand, the Hemingway brand? That this is this is good conservation stewardship ac- action that needs to happen. How do you vet those kinds of opportunities that come across your desk? Well, you know what, the internet's a powerful tool. There's, uh, there's nonprofit, um, trackers like, uh, GuideStar is one that you can go to and you can actually see how much money that they're spending on programs. 
versus administration costs, word of mouth. And it's, um, we get a lot of requests that we're unable to really help them. But no, we just don't support just organizations that have to do with, with water. Um, the Hemingway family is very, very uh, active in literacy. And uh, which is which is incredible. We do a lot with with pediatric cancer. We support firefighters, veterans. So we try to get our tentacles out there as much as we can. But at the end of the day, one of the things that we that we try to do is we bring awareness to these causes because it's impossible. It's impossible to have deep enough pockets to really affect everybody. But um we have, we have tournaments that we support, the world's largest sailfish tournament, the Jimmy Johnson tournament. They have a huge gifting arm. The Custom Shootout, which is the biggest collection of mega sport fishing boats. They got about 70 boats in their tournament over in Marsh Harbor, Bahamas. Guy Captain Skip Smith that's been running that for years. 90% of the money that they raise goes back out to nonprofits. Mm. You breast cancer, you've got... IGFA, you've got tagging programs, you've got the Billfish Foundation. They're just a couple examples of how these people work. There's, there's tournaments that we look at, and like I said, well over 90% of the tournaments that we support, they have a charitable arm. Sure. And a lot of it stays local in their community, which is good. And once again, that brings that whole community thing back into play for us. Okay. We want to be part of these communities. Okay. So... I would imagine as the chief communities and conservation officer, it's a lofty title. Sounds good. That's all Steve Groth, man. That guy, he's one of the puttiest guys I've ever met. He can come up with anything. All right. I love that. And, and I imagine you're, you're kept pretty busy. I imagine your wife is very happy that you're kept pretty busy. She is. But she I, that, that's you. Yeah. So I, I'm curious. Well, actually, let me just ask this question. This is a two-part question. How is your wife staying active with you? Because you're one active guy. You're out there. Or is she just like happy to get rid of you for a couple of days? <laughs> you know what? I think that's, uh, it depends on the day. Maureen, Maureen has been entirely supportive of my career. Um, we've been, we've been married for over 25. We've got a beautiful son. We, uh, we've traveled the world extensively. Maureen, uh, she gets involved. Maureen's got the largest rooster fish and the largest cooper caught in our family. The only wow. two that are on display in our house. Okay. All of mine are in, in my tackle room. Okay. But um, she's just really, really supportive. And we're just, she's come. You know yeah. what I mean? It's, if she doesn't want to go someplace, she didn't want to go to Panama with me this year. She didn't. She went up to upstate New York and hung out with some of her friends. But she's had an active lifestyle with me. And at IGFA, I was probably out two or three nights a week going to fundraisers. Right. I had out the tambourine and the knee pads and was always, I like to say, kissing hands and shaking babies. There's only so many chicken dinners you can have. That's or fish dinners. Yeah, see, a rubber chicken, baby. Rubber yeah. chicken. But uh, she's been really, really supportive. And she um, she had a, a great career herself. She was a... Uh, uh, magazine circulation expert, and she had a very thriving consulting business. And um, now she's uh, she's relaxing a little bit, reading a lot of books, and she's uh, she's my other half. But, but I would say supportive, but I'd also say she will uh, 
She'll help me with my luggage to the truck if I'm going away. There you go. I love that. Speaking of of family, uh, and this is where I was originally going to go when I was, we were talking about the uh, lofty titles. You have to have this the the Papa's organization family behind you. How does the how does the Papa's organization and the the folks that are make it up? How are they out there? working within the communities to further the, the, this mission of Papa Cares and uh, your commitment? I, I would say without a doubt for a for-profit um, business to a person, there's more talent involved uh, in this company than any other company uh, that I've been associated with. It's, it's absolutely incredible. We've, everybody in our company is, is very active. Everyone has outdoor interests. Um, I mean, we work as a team. I mean, if there's a, if there's a disaster, if there is something that we need to be involved in, um, we work as a team. Everybody's got their area of expertise. And, um, just because conservation officers in my title, that doesn't mean I do it all. I certainly don't. It's, uh, we rely on one another from top to bottom. Like I said, we don't have a foul ball in the group. Everybody that we work with. Uh, on the Puppets Pilar team and, and also on the uh, on the Hemingway Ride team is top of the game. It, it makes it really, really easy to accomplish some of these goals. I love it. I love it. Looking forward, what are some of the initiatives that you can share with us, our, our, our listeners, about where Puppets Pilar is going in the topic of community and conservation education? Anything new you can share or build a pub for, for our listeners? Well, with the efforts that we have going right now, obviously are very, very important to us. We, we don't look for sponsorship opportunities. We look for partnership opportunities with people. I think that's really important. Sponsorship, you're chasing it. That partnership, you're embracing it. Mm-hmm. We, uh, we're really, really fortunate to be able to move out in some of these directions. And as our distribution increases and as we get more attention nationally, there's more programs that come to us. The Trout Unlimited program we're doing in Michigan is a very, very new program. Uh, I expect it to be a very successful program. We are, we are doing some stuff in Texas right now, which we've never done before. We have some great groups that we're working with out there. It just, I think exponentially, it just gets easier the more people hear about you. And it just brings me back to the Outdoor Writers Association. I mean, if a tree falls in the forest and there's not a writer there to write about it, nobody cares. But, <laughs> but does it make noise? Who cares? But you guys do a really good job about getting it out there. And I'm a person that still believes in traditional print. I've seen a lot of that go by the wayside in the last 15 or so years. And there's different mediums, podcasts, for example. Or, uh, we're involved with Andy Mill, former downhill skier and legendary Tarpon Fisherman with the Millhouse podcast, uh, Connected by Water podcast. Now you, I mean, it's um, it's a great way to get uh, the message out there. And I think the more people hear about it, then they're like, huh, really? I mean, I'm starting to hear about these guys a lot. I saw them at this tournament. I saw them at this. They're gifting. They're actually doing something. And without being a Diageo or a Bacardi, we're making a difference and we're doing it every day. And it's, um, 
It's something that uh, I think everybody at, at our company, certainly, and everybody that's affiliated with us as members and ambassadors of, of our brands, they get it. And they're all active too. I mean, we've got a great group of ambassadors that support us. And uh, once again, it's just many hands makes light work and um, their communities get activated. And so it just, like I said, it's like a snowball. And the more the, you know, the, the farther, the farther we reach out, more opportunities that are going to be there. And, um, we'll certainly be there and look forward to partner with, uh, with people. I love that. I love that. And I, I certainly am grateful and I appreciate, uh, Papa's being open to being on this podcast and, you know, just being one little snowflake on that snowball. It's, 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 it's been, it's been a great journey and it's to be able to create these, uh, podcast episodes. Uh, with you guys. Now, I am curious, as you have been looking back at your work now uh, with Papa's, what has been your aha moment as it, all that you were tasked by Steve, you've tasked by with the, you've had the, the, the reputation of the Hemingway family and their commitment to uh, literature and literacy. What, what, as you look back now for yourself, because again, you've had a couple of really significant rodeos in your lifetime, but now the work you're doing, what, what do you, as you look back, what has been the, the most significant for you and the work that you're doing? I think if you're talking like an aha moment, I, I really think that when the uh, Abacos were devastated by Hurricane Dorian, it, it came so quickly and was devastating to so many people over there. And, um, we were able to, within a three month period, we're able to turn out a specialty product, bringing attention to what was going on. And the Hemingway family, along with the Guy Harvey foundation and, uh, Papa's Pilar, Papa's Pilar was able to generate over a hundred thousand dollars 30 days sent over to Idea Relief, the Guy Harvey Foundation, um, and a couple other smaller nonprofits to help rebuild. Because with any national disaster, I don't care if it's in the Bahamas, Africa, Louisiana, Florida, people tend to forget once the television cameras leave that it's not just a it's just not a sprint. It's a marathon to rebuild these communities. And with that, we were able to tap into some of our other partners and go over there and help them. Recently, Hurricane Ida in Florida, we were able to get together with uh, Dennis Freel, world-known artist and uh, host of Connected by Water, create a t-shirt, raise another $40,000 for the guide communities over there. And there's other groups that do it as well. And uh, it's amazing to see it all come together. But when we activated our team on, on the Dorian project, it was immediate. I mean, it, it's a lot to design hang tags and bottles and get the space and, and get some of our, our retail partners to donate their share of the profits and licensing fees donated back by the Hemingway family. I mean, it was, everybody was all in and it's, that moment really, really struck me as what we're doing some good. We, we did good. And when you present people with, with checks 
that are going to go to desalinization plants. They're going to go to food stores. Give them the opportunity. Huge companies like Cheney Brothers, cruise ship companies, all these people donating hundreds of tons, thousands of tons of food. And to be part of that effort uh, really was was one of those moments that I think uh, I was most proud to be working with with everybody at Papa's Pilar. Particularly, you get people like like Steve uh, and Eric Lear and Kyle Groff, Lindsay, Nick Doyle. These people just rolled up their sleeves and said, okay, here's our opportunity. Let's get it done. Not a second thought to what's that going to do to our profits for the fourth quarter. None of that ever came up. It was like, do the right thing and the right thing will happen to you. And that, uh, I, I I was just thinking that as you were saying it, is he, and I, I I'm not even going to repeat it because what you said was spot on. That it happens. Before we head out, any final uh, insight? What we call insight to go for our listeners, because again, you've you've had three major careers. Uh, this last one, you're literally all in. Okay, let's just we're a part of this. We're all in. But any insight you'd like to leave for our listeners could be a quote, could be a book, uh, uh, an article that you'd like to share with them about the importance of the work that you and the Papa's Pilar team, the Hemingway family are doing. You know what? I, I think um, I, I always like to say, get your hands wet, but I think it goes more than that. I think there's so many opportunities for people to get involved, um, specifically in their own communities to become a, a steward, to become a mentor to someone that you can really make a difference, not only in their life, but I, I really believe that exponentially um, that sort of thing grows. And I, 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 I just think, I mean, we have a moniker that is Papa Cares. And for more information on some of the ways you can get involved and some of the things that we're doing here at Papa's Pilar, you can go to our website, uh, www.puppaspilar.com, and specifically go to Puppas Cares and see some of the things that we're doing. You can reach out to them with requests. You can reach out to them with say, hey, I live in New Hampshire. What can I do? What What is going on? What, what can I do in Michigan? What can I do in Florida, Louisiana, wherever you are? You can leave a request like that. It'll, it'll hit my desk, and we do get back to people. Right. That's, we're from the Walmart, the old Walmart school. But at the end of the day, I have nothing left in my inbox. And we take great pride in getting back to everybody because you just never know. You never know that one person that you hit can do something that's extraordinary. And I right. think everybody has that ability inside them. And you can measure extraordinary by a, a lot of different measures. But I, I really think that everybody has that gene, that, that possibility of doing something extraordinary, rather locally or statewide or nationwide. There's a whole big world out there and be part of it. Get out I, there and be part of it. Never respect. I, I, I love that. I love that. Michael, it's been a, a pleasure to, to have you on the Outdoor Adventure Series podcast. And we really uh, appreciate you taking the time and really sharing a little bit about your, your, your journey, your history, but also about the, the great work that, uh, Papa's Pilar Rob and the Papa's community is doing 
really to help make a difference, whether it's in the state of Florida or the initiatives that can happen and should be happening throughout the U.S. and in also different parts of the Americas, because as a blended rum, you're bringing in product from all over the, the Caribbean community. So you guys are out there and you're making a difference. So again, thank you so much for spending time with us today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me and continued success with your show. And uh, remember everybody out there that's listened to Howard, never a spectator, get involved. I love that. I love that. Listen, Michael, stay on the line. We're going to do a real quick close and you and I can have a final chat. Okay. Great. All right. All right, folks. We have just been chatting with Michael Myatt. Uh, Michael, uh, yeah, the gentleman with the lofty titles. Uh, thank you, Steve Groth, uh, Chief Communities and Conservation Officer. But what we've learned, it's much more than that. Uh, there is a community behind uh, Michael, whether it's the nonprofit communities, the folks that the the Papa's organization, the Hemingway family have been involved with over the years who are making a difference out in their communities, the environment, stewardship, conservation, education, and of course, the entire Papa's family the folks that are working day to day just to, to run the business, but also when there is a need to roll their sleeves up and just get things done. And really just the, it's wonderful to see this kind of initiative where this brand like Papa's Pilar is just extending out into the, the, the community and addressing topics like conservation, clean water, uh, various watershed stewardship initiatives and, education and literacy uh, uh, via the, the, the Hemingway family and, and their passion. And just this is an organization that's really putting their their effort. They're doing what they say they're going to do. Okay. And I would love to, we definitely love to have that uh, as well as we uh, for our listeners to, and also Michael's point is just get out there, get your hands wet. And uh, there's so much impact you can make. Now, as for Papa's Pilar Rum, again, we want to thank them for sponsoring the Outdoor Adventure Series episodes. This is episode number four. And if you haven't tried Papa's Pilar, you got to try it. I'm uh, definitely a sipping rum kind of guy. Uh, and it was inspired by the world's most incredible adventurers. It's like Ernest Hemingway. And it was crafted to harness that spirit of adventure. We hope you're going to go out there and have your adventures as well. Now, as for us, you can find this episode on our website, OutdoorAdventureSeries.com. We're also on LinkedIn and Facebook on our Outdoor Adventure Series pages. The episode will be available on YouTube and, of course, wherever you listen to your podcast. Please like, share, and comment. We would really appreciate it. Until next time, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, go out there, have a phenomenal day, and we will see you on another episode of the Outdoor Adventure Series podcast. Take care now.